Chapter 3, Boston Tea Party. The cold December air left me frozen solid. I stayed with a man as he went home. He gathered some supplies into a sack, but I could hardly tell what they were because of the darkness. It was several hours later when we arrived at another dark building. We entered after the man mumbled some, pass, some sort of password about the Sons of Liberty. We were not the first to arrive, and I knew some of the men who were there. I remembered them from my time with the messenger. They were all different kinds of people. They were all different ages, too. As each one came in, he emptied a sack onto the floor. All the men, squeezed together in a small space, made the room warm up. As more men came in, the warmer and warmer it got. Soon their body heat had warmed the room so much that I was liquid again. I dripped into a small tin can that one of the men carried. What had I gotten myself into now? I found myself surrounded by a dark, gooey substance. Give me some of that, one of the men said. The can with me in it was promptly handed over. The man dipped his thumb into the can. It smeared the substance across his face, taking me with it. Face paint! I had fallen into a tin of paint. I now found myself painted right onto the man's nose. It was a good vantage point, I decided, because I could clearly see everything that was going on. I was glad I could see. Quite a change had occurred, and the men no longer wore their regular clothes. Everyone had also used a tin can with the paint. Standing before me was no longer a ragtag group of merchants, fishmongers, and teenage boys. Instead, I saw a group of American natives, complete with feathered headdresses. No one would know them now. For Boston, one of the men said. For liberty, said another. With that, they headed for the door. Their moccasins muffled the sound of their footsteps. What would people think about them if they were seen? That was unlikely, though, because most of the city was sound asleep in their beds. They had no idea what was going to happen. Neither did I. The group traveled quietly along the streets of Boston. More and more men joined us as we went. All were in native dress, and I noticed that each of them carried a hatchet. What were those for? I hoped I wouldn't have to see them put to use. Snow continued to fall from the sky. The dock was eerily quiet as the men walked the wooden planks. I noticed many different ships and boats along the dock. Their shapes cast strange shadows in the moonlight. I could hear the ocean waves softly hitting the sides of the boat. What's split up, said one of the men. We'll take to Dartmouth. You all take the other two. The group separated, and the man I was headed and the men I was headed with towards a large ship. The word Dartmouth was painted on one side. Once on board, we quickly went down to the cargo hold. Find the crates marked T, the leader said. I don't know who he was. It was too hard to tell through the disguise. There were many other goods on board besides tea. I scanned the crates. Sugar, flour, spice, tea. There were crates upon crates with that label. Just the tea, men, said the leader of the group. Nothing else is to be damaged. We want them to know that it was the tea we are after. The men lugged the huge crates up onto the deck one at a time. The crates looked so plain. There had been so much talk about the tea, I guess I thought it would be scarier. I thought it would seem like danger. It was hard to understand what the problem was because the tea by itself seemed so innocent. <clears throat> Out came the hatchets and the men started tearing into the wood. Hack, hack, hack. The crates splintered with the force of each blow. Overboard! They shoved the tea over the side rail. Splash! The tea landed in the water. This will show them we mean business. Our voice will be heard in Parliament. What a waste, one young man said. Small price to pay for our liberties, replied one of the older gentlemen. 
Can't we just take a wee bit home? Someone asked. The scent of dried tea leaves was getting stronger and stronger. I want none of the stuff if it comes from the East India Company. I'll drink coffee the rest of my life if I have to. Ah, coffee. You're right about that. No one takes any home. Every last drop must go into the harbor tonight, someone shouted. I watched and listened. I was glad I had gotten stuck in the gooey paint because I didn't want to get thrown overboard with the tea. Accidents do happen, you know. I kept a lookout for any strange activity. I didn't want to get caught. I do like adventure, but I do try to stay out of trouble. It seemed to me that these weren't the kind of men who liked to get into trouble either. They had good wives and happy families. Why were they willing to throw it all away over the tea? they got caught it would mean prison for sure the only thing i could figure is that they did it to stay happy they wanted to be sure they had freedoms and they wanted their kids to have freedoms too they didn't want the government running everything it was even worse since they were given no say in how things went hack 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 the men worked late into the night and just before the sun began to peak above the horizon this strange native tribe left boston harbor still painted onto a face I left with them. I had hoped to stick on board to Dartmouth a little longer so that I could see the reactions of the deckhands when they came aboard. The Sons of Liberty left the ship in tip-top shape. They even swept the bits of splintered wood into the ocean. The only sign that anyone had been there would be the missing tea and the tinted water swirling below. all right that was kind of a quick chapter so tune in tomorrow for chapter four thanks for listening